travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the music. Everybody have fun tonight. Everybody wang chung tonight. The movies. Yes! 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 Oh! 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 I'll have what she's having. And the parties. No one in my family ever drinks. That's great. You probably never run out of ice your whole life. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Stuck in the Indies, it's your old pal Spearsy. And Chuck Coverley. And today we talk to Steve Kilby, lead singer and founder of The Church. So hard, finding inspiration. I knew you'd find me crying. Tell those girls this episode of Stuck in the 80s is sponsored by the 80s Cruise. Join your Stuck in the 80s hosts along with MTV BJ's Mark Goodman, Alan Hunter, and downtown Julie Brown in spring 2024 for a week-long trip on board the Royal Caribbean Mariner of the Seas. Performers will include 38th Special, Air Supply, The English Beat, Soft Cell, Debbie Gibson, Sebastian Bach, Stephen Piercy of Rat, Ray Parker Jr., Sheena Easton, Wang Chung, Midnight Star, Animotion, Real Life, Escape Club, When in Rome, Tommy Two-Tone, and more. The 2024 cruise is officially sold out now, but you can still join the wait list. Go to www.the80scruise.com for more information. Sometimes when this place gets kind of empty Sound of the breath fades with the light I think about the loveless fascination under the Milky Way tonight. Hey gang, I had a chance to talk to Steve Kilby. He's the lead singer and the founding member of The Church. The Australian band is touring the U.S. again this fall. So Steve is out there promoting the stops, promoting the tour, and uh, talking about the band's new album, which is called Hypnogog. And that's like a, a concept album, right? It is. It's set in a dystopian future that's part occult, part machine, where, uh, and I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here based on other things I've read, where people have songs pulled straight out of their heads without having to write them. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of like nowadays, right? This dystopian, we're living in this pretty far out there future. Yeah, there's definitely like an element of AI you know, in the thinking here. And Steve and I kind of had a, a give and take conversation about why the future is always dystopian when it's portrayed in movies and music. And almost as soon as I asked the question, I thought, oh, shoot, I know the answer, which is that. What? How boring would it be if it weren't dystopian? I mean, well, it would so, be Star Trek, right? Isn't that the, uh, the, the, the future that we're supposed to have? Correct. That would right. be Star Trek. So, but then you see Blade Runner, and that's the one we're going to get. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I saw some. I saw some graphic on the internet the other day that showed like the timeline. Here, here are all the dystopian sci-fi movies we love so much, and here's the year that they were supposed to happen. So here's what's still coming up. So we've made it past, you know, Escape from New York and stuff like that. But we're we're coming up on some of the the, the really dicey ones like Logan's Run and Blade Runner and. <laughs> <laughs> we just watched, we were flipping through channels this past weekend and, and uh, the uh, Demolition Man was on oh, with yeah. Wesley Snipes. Mm -hmm. Love that And movie. it's it's funny because I think that was supposed to, all the crap was supposed to start around 96 or 97, something like that. And yeah, then it's, well, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, and then we watched, we watched iRobot and other, a lot of these futuristic, you know, looks at what the future is going to be like. Uh, but you're right. It's it's funny how it's like, when is that supposed to happen? You know, all the entirety of Back to the Future now occurs in the past. Yes. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> it is crazy. The, um, God, yeah, De Demolition Man. I, I wrote a story recently for a magazine and 
it was a, it was this article about unanswered questions from movies and one and the final my uh my final touch was uh how do you use the three seashells from demolition man <laughs> <laughs> and every time we go to the taco bell it has to be the taco bell yeah we don't just go to taco bell well now and because all restaurants are taco bell that's right. I know that. That's right. I know that movie way too much, way too well. <laughs> and and uh, uh, you eat rat burgers, <laughs> carne de la rata. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the church, you know, when they're not writing about uh, dystopian futures, they were actually on the '80s cruise this year, right? They were, and you know, I I remember they had uh, some listening party or something for the album as well. So they played twice. I remember that they they of course included their biggest hits, which include Unguarded Moment and Under the Milky Way, which, as you'll find out, are two songs that Steve has mixed feelings about. Steve Kilby, not Steve Spears. Steve Spears loves these two songs, just, just to make <laughs> things room, just so it's not confusing. I, I don't talk about myself in the third person. Uh, and, and I know that they also performed several tunes off the new album, Hypnagogue. So, um, so anyway, sit back and enjoy this conversation with Steve Kilby of The Church. Steve Kilby, welcome to the podcast. What an honor to have you on tonight. Hello. Um, well, an honor to be here. I keep going back and forth on whether or not I want to confess that in the mid-80s, I used to drive my car around listening to the unguarded moment all the time, trying to match your vocals. <laughs> Tell those men with horses for hearts. That's good. Um, nobody wants to be doing that. I don't I don't want to be doing that. <laughs> Uh, you're coming back to America this fall for a tour that includes a lot of stops and markets um, that, at least in my opinion, we are kind of underserved, especially here in Florida, where I live. You have six shows here. Where, where, where do you? Which city do you live in? I'm in Orlando. Ah, that's wonderful. I personally, I like Florida. Um, I've had some St. Petersburg um, where I had never been before. I had a whale of a day there. Just walked down and had some great vegetarian food and there was a beautiful old theater we played in i like the weather it reminds me of australia um the palm trees the people are really friendly so i'm really i'm really personally happy that we're going to florida i'd like to spend you know i think i'd rather spend time in florida than say i don't know nebraska or something but um on a personal level um, you know, I, I prefer the scenery and the weather. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know exactly where you're talking about in St. Petersburg. I lived there for 20 years and, um, it's a, it's a wonderful little town with a, with what a great a wonderful place. Yeah. yeah. You, you, if someone gave me a reason to live there, if like there was a university that said, <laughs> we want you to come and be our rock and roll master, I'd be there in a flash <laughs> with no, no hesitation. As I say, reminds me of Australia, sort of like. Easy going, nice weather, sort of palm trees. I I hadn't been there up till then, and but I, I think I've enjoyed. I think I enjoy everywhere in Florida that I've ever been. I've I've only I only have good memories of Florida. I obviously, can see why people retire there. Yeah. Um, but but um, I I I am not saying this to curry favor with your people reading or listening to this i i I really do like florida more than more than some of those middle states where it gets very cold in winter and seems more bleak florida is really more in in climate and and sort of the feeling of the place florida is much more something i understand it's it's comparable to, to sort of sydney oh okay i've never been to australia so i'll take your word for it yeah well we've got this we, we, you guys have the deep south. We have the deep north. Um, oh, where all the re- people retire, they go to the, uh, southern Queensland, where we have the Gold Coast, which is like um, strips and strips of hotels and swimming pools, and um, people retired people and shopping malls and all of this sort of business. It's very, very similar to Florida. Very, very similar, and the weather. Warm weather for those tired old arthritic bones. Um, <laughs> lovely girls on the beach for the dirty old men to gawk at. Um, it's it's very 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 comparable. Yeah, now I see. Now I get the attraction. 
The um, <laughs> um, how important is it to you to to play the uh, the church's music abroad, especially in the U.S.? The the U.S. has always been my number one priority. Um, I'd be lying if I didn't say it was. Um, when when you're a band in Australia, you've covered Australia. There's five big cities here, and then the rest of it is you know, some little towns and a lot of wilderness. Um, the church the church just did a tour of Australia. I think we played nine gigs and we just about had it covered. Um, so when, when, when we were growing up, when we, when we formed the band, um, there was England or America. And we went to England and we did okay. It's more... It's more of a struggle in England. It's more like money doesn't go far. Um, when you get out of London, and it sometimes could feel a bit provincial and colloquial. Um, but America, when we went to America first in uh, or for nearly 40 years ago, in 1984, I felt like these are my people. This is, this is you know, the audience were on, on our side. The audience wanted us to succeed. If something went wrong, they didn't snigger and laugh. They were like, oh, no, you know. Oh. And um, all the people, the, the whole music business was was just better. You know, the, you know, the equipment and the road crew and the, the buses and the, you know, the people working in hotels were more, you know, in Australia in 1984, check into a motel and they go, are you guys in a van? You better not do any damage or take any drugs in there or you'll fucking be thrown out. In America, it's like, wow, you know, you guys are in a band. Um, you know, what's your band called? What, you know, have you got any records? Can I come and see you tonight? You know, they're more, I know America's sort of the place, I've always said this, I've said it for 40 years, America's the place that invented showbiz. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, and no. The, 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 the performers are, are great performers and, and all the technicians are great and the studios are great. But most importantly, the audiences want to be, they know how to be an audience. They want, they want to enjoy themselves. They will you to succeed. And then there's the financial side. You know, there's like, you know, I don't know, what is it, 50 or 60 really big cities in America you can play? I know you could you could probably go around America and spend a whole year and never play the same place twice. Um, so just America makes sense. Um, America is the place to, you know, and, and many bands, it didn't always work out. And you look at T-Rex, for example, one of my favorite bands didn't work out for them. They, you would have thought they were shooing to conquer America, but it never happened. I remember, um, that band swayed when they came out and the singer famously said, America's like a naughty child to be tamed and conquered, but didn't work. But no, America did not embrace suede to its bosom. Not, not the way suede imagined it would be. They thought, you know, Oh, we've got London, then we're going to get New York, but it doesn't work like that. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, America is, uh, on so many levels, America is incredibly important to me. And if I only had America and nowhere else, I would be disappointed. If if I only had America and I didn't have anywhere else, I wouldn't be disappointed. America's enough to keep me busy, you know. And I've always felt like that. And so Europe, you know, we don't tour Europe all that much or England or whatever. It doesn't really matter. Um, there was a prestige, more prestige, I guess, of, getting a write-up in the in the english music press but now that doesn't exist all those magazines that would proclaim that so-and-so was the best band in the world and then they would automatically be kind of big in america for one tour until the americans found out that wasn't necessarily true um so yeah america's important to me yeah i, I would have liked to have made it big in in your in england just so i could be on top of the pops Australia had one called Countdown. That was the show we were on. And that was the show where we went from rags to riches. And one day we were playing to nobody. And then on Sunday night, we're on Countdown. And the next gig, there was 900 people who loved us. Um, it was like instant, if you could make it on that show. But even going on the show was rolling a dice. Um, it worked out for us. Um, we did look good. We did sound good. 
everybody loved it but it doesn't always it didn't always work out that way for everyone and there were people who went on there and it didn't you know it's like many are called but few are chosen um but definitely countdown was the australian equivalent of top of the pops and if if you could get on there and you know capture the zeitgeist that was a a huge that was the major thing you could do for furthering your career I'm I'm always curious about the relationship between musicians and their iconic hits. I mean, movie actors play a role once, maybe a half dozen times if it's a franchise, and then they move on to what's next. But musicians and Broadway performers say the same lines and sing the same songs every night. How do you keep it fresh? What what feelings go through your head? Well, I hate unguarded moment. <laughs> I I don't mind under the Milky Way. Um. The other ones, I'm yeah, I don't mind them. Unguarded moment, I'm I don't know why I'm not terribly enamoured of that song. Um, but um, well, we keep it. I keep it fresh by I enjoy the pleasure other people get out of hearing it. I don't I don't get a huge buzz out of playing Under the Milky Way anymore. But you know, when I roll up to Orlando, Florida, and there's somebody <laughs> standing there and it with their wife and it's their song that they got married to or whatever you know what i mean sure. when 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 a song has deep meaning to the audience um it's churlish to not get some enjoyment out of that so so i, I enjoy it i enjoy it through their eyes not through my own i'm i i think most people would say that i mean does Paul McCartney really love playing Hey Jude every night? I don't know. Uh, I think it's just something you do for other people's pleasure. That's 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 a great answer. Because to be honest, I mean, that has been a question that has n- not troubled me, but just, you know, escaped finding a decent answer for. That's, that's as good of an answer as I think there is. I think you've got to hope that the song that you're known for isn't such a bad one. Because you've got to do it. Because if every... If if I live for another 20 years and I keep playing America, every time I come there, no matter what else I'm doing, I've got to do Under the Milky Way. I'm very grateful that that song is a song that I can play as an old man as much as I could play as a young man. I'm, I'm glad it, it's not a novelty, stupid song that I have to regret writing. I'm glad it's a kind of a, a nice, okay, pleasant song to do. One can only imagine if if your big song was some horrible number. There was a there was a guy in Australia who had one big hit. You know that? Have you ever heard that one? Shut up, are you face? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Imagine if you had to do that every night. What's the matter, you? <laughs> ah, shut up, are you face? <laughs> if that was me, I think I'd rather work for the post office and have to go around playing that every night. I don't know. Imagine those guys in Men at Work. You know that. Uh, you know. Do you really want to play Land Down Under every night? I I don't know. I wouldn't. I want to talk about the new album Hypnagog. Am I yep. am I pronouncing it right? I'm pronouncing it right, right? Yep. Yeah, you okay. are. Uh, I read that you started making it in 2019, and obviously that's yeah. just before COVID, and then re- released it earlier this year. So it's also the yep. first full length studio album in six years. Curious yep. how how you're how that album evolved over those four years and you know what, what how what kind of work you were doing on it to, to before you released it a lot of work um we went in 2019 there were also these terrible bushfires that happened in australia which apparently are going to come back this year um but anyway we went in there and we wrote music for three weeks and then i struggled on at the drummer tim's the drummer studio doing a bit of this and a bit of that um and then covid came along and i wasn't supposed to go there you know you're supposed to stay within 10 minutes of your house or something um and i took the law into my own hands and i just started going up to the studio where we'd started it on my own and Quite frankly, it was a revelation to me just having a free reign again, something which I hadn't had for a while. Um, I'd been very constrained by the democracy and everybody having a say and everybody commenting on everybody else. 
um, suddenly it was very liberating for me to get in a studio with an engineer and be in complete control. And um, so I did then did a lot of work on it on my own, sort of choosing the things I wanted to work on and doing the vocals and stuff. And then the other guys from a long distance would contribute. And everybody, everybody had a, did good things on that record. Um, Jeffrey Kane, of course, playing in the band for the first time as a, as a full-time member, brought some wonderful things and sent us some great music to work on. Um, Ian Hogan, Ashley Naylor, the guitarists, all can eat. There were people behind some, some of the songs are very much one person, very much behind it. And other songs are, are complete collaborations between everyone. Um, and I think I, after going through a rough patch in 1999, where I, oh, sorry, in the 1990s were my sort of decade of horror um, when I was a drug addict. Um, it took me a long time to get my, regain my throne and um, sort of start being the, where I was the guy the buck stopped, stopped with. And, um, so I, I regained that position over those years, and I decided not in a – we it, the, the things reached a real nadir in um, our last album, Man Woman, where everybody was everybody was the boss, and everybody – it was like even deciding what songs we were going to do. One of the guys that left the band was – had played all the instrumentals to his wife and we were doing the songs his wife wanted to hear instead of the songs that I felt were more like, it was like, well, my wife wants to hear this. And it's like that reached a level where I just, and I didn't, I didn't, I don't have much faith in that record. There's a couple of good songs, but mostly it's just a mess of the democracy running rampant. I mean, democracies are good for some things and, they're bad for other things. Um, Augustus Caesar had a long reign of relative peace and prosperity in Rome. Much did much better than the Republic, um, who were constantly squabbling and, you know. So there's something to be said for a leader. And after that last guy went from the band, I, I was the only guy left standing from the beginning. And um, I still am very, I still very much consult with my learned colleagues. But in the end, I've now regained the the power of the veto. That, so um, it's a kind of a, it's a democracy, but with a benign dictator who's who's. I'm not. I, I I want. I have these wonderful musicians. I want their input. I value their input. But it has. There's someone has to decide in the end. There has to be one guy who goes yes or no. And I am just obviously the guy to do that. Whereas the last record and some records before that, it didn't seem like that. It seemed like I was just a, a voice in the room. But now I've taken control again and have no plans to ever relinquish it. Yeah. Well, it seems like the ideal situation then, or the perfect atmosphere then for creating a concept album, when you have that type of control you can't yeah you can't you can't create a concept album with everybody going oh i think you know they should go to hawaii and uh uh you know it should be a beautiful girl and uh uh, uh a helicopter and you know like i no i i don't i i want i want people's help right helping me make them write and make the music but i don't when it comes to lyrics and concepts and all of that, it has to be me. And I, I mean, I'm happy to run it by them and a few things they didn't like. And I'm okay. If I can see this is not very popular, I'll scrap that idea. But I think for a concept, I mean, can you imagine t um, Tommy, if Pete Townsend, if, if Roger Dolce was going, I don't, don't know why he has to be deaf, dumb and blind, you know, can't he, can't he be a basketball player? You know what I mean? It's like someone has someone has to have the overriding idea that everyone has to adhere to. And it's just it's just obvious once, you know, 
being a junkie really fucked up my life and and I had to relinquish the reins and I understand why and I was glad to I couldn't control it anymore but once I'm back on deck I got to be the captain makes complete sense the uh the album set in the year 2054 yeah it's 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 a dystopian future I I, I have a question I'm a, I'm a huge sci-fi fan yeah and when I think of concept albums and i think of the science fiction that i love it it tends to have this dystopian future in common and i'm just kind of curious from your point of view on why the future makes for such a fertile ground for storytelling well if it was a utopian future that like you could can you have i i said this to someone the other day could you have a story could you have a movie where everything's going right where a happy family Everybody's well adjusted. Everybody loves each other. Everybody's got a good job. Everybody's making money. The neighbors are all great. Everything's going swimmingly. Can you get a story out of that? Can you can you think of a great story no. that wasn't dystopian in some way? Um, no, I can't. That, but it's, it's it seems like they. That, it's like, and you know, as we. As we approach this future, it's sure fucking looking, you know, the, the, the fires in Australia, it's sure looking dystopian to me. Um, I mean, the world has never been a pretty place to live. I mean, it, we, we probably have it better than anybody's ever had it. You know, there would be, there would be civilizations for a while, say ancient Egypt, if you were an Egyptian for a while there, things would have been going pretty smoothly and there weren't, weren't, weren't any threat of war. And, but um, there would have been patches where people had happy existences. But mostly the story of mankind is struggle and war and famine and plague and persecution and religious differences. Right. Um, and the, the, the future doesn't look that much different to me now we can't one one thing they had in the middle ages i mean maybe you get your head chopped off if you saw the trinity the wrong way than the way the pope did but one thing that they could rely on was that summer would be hot and winter would be cold and it would rain and the sun would shine and you know the animals were all there but now we've fucked up even that most basic assumption um you know that the things will go on that the world is, we've realized the world is not a permanent fixed. It doesn't always, the sun doesn't always shine in summer and the rain doesn't always fall in autumn. Um, we've certainly fucked that up and a lot of the animals are disappearing and, you know, we may create such turbulence in the sky that the planes can't fly anymore and, you know, everything gets used up. It's certainly, um, it's certainly, has the the just that little and it's the beginning of it those last bout of fires in 2019 fucked australia you know they reckon there were a million native animals dying every day during those fires Pla places and then we had floods where the same places that were hit i was doing a benefit for a place that was hit by the fires and it got cancelled because the of a flood in the same town it's like they had the fire and then they had the flood and then they had COVID. So um, we just yeah. can't rely on anything more. The, the future looks dystopian. And um, I, I'm i just like everybody else. That's yeah. that I have to mine where I feel the, the tension will be between the protagonist and the antagonists and the, uh, and sure. the, the, the technology. If the technology was all great and beneficial, that wouldn't be a story either. And it never is. No, it never is. It seems like it's going to be, but it 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 seems like writing a story on a computer is better than a typewriter, except when your fucking computer loses it all. You know, something happens. There's a there's a jolt of electricity, or one of your kids comes in and hits the wrong button. Suddenly, your story isn't there anymore. At least when you wrote it on a typewriter, despite the fact you had to wide it out, and write, at least it was always, if you put it somewhere, it was always there. Yeah. So it seems no. to me like technology is, obviously, I'm not, not saying you as much as much a curse as a blessing, 
and I'm just imagining this this process where everybody's greedy and this person has come up with a process to pull hit songs out of people's heads despite the dangers to the people doing it and the people listening it would still go on if if it was available people would still do if if this process i mean there's ai and you know everybody's embracing it despite all the the problems with it and i i believe if this thing i'm talking about ever was to be a reality that people would still use it despite all the downsides so yeah now i get you really yeah it's just human nature is always the same no matter if, if if it's a caveman or someone living in 2054 you know the men are fighting with each other and the the women are you know the men and the women are fighting with each other and you know the old people are getting fucked over and etc cetera, etc cetera. it's always going to be the same yeah i i've read that that you've said this could be the final church album uh what is it a, could have a... been when i said it could have been when i said that however um we have just made a new album that's coming out it's the companion to the hypnagogue um 15 new tracks which we are will be selling um at our gigs on the american tour hopefully if we can get the package printed up and ready to go and not only that but a novella um the 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 hypnagogue novella which sort of fleshes out the story a lot more which i'm almost finished i'm working on feverishly here to get finished so we have made at least one more album um which will be which will be called eros cedar and the perfume guitars who you know the protagonist sure. from the hypnagogue uh so he's got his own album now so it's like a companion piece um it's very much a companion album in the same style I, I'm so relieved to hear that because I, I don't really want to imagine a future where the church isn't part of it. Oh, well, thank you very much. Um, that's really lovely. I wish there were another 50 million Americans who thought that I'd be living like Axl Rose. <laughs> hey, thanks for your time, Steve. Good luck on this next leg of the tour. I, I have a lot of friends who can't wait to see the church perform live in their own hometown. So this is going to be a... Yes, yes, please. Power to the Come people. Come along and see it. If you like it, please bring, come along and bring your friends and buy our fucking merchandise because <laughs> we're only we're only able to do this by the skin of our teeth. So please, please support us if you like it. Thank you very much. Good night, Florida. There you go, Steve Kilby. We covered some ground there, didn't we? Yeah, that was a lot to talk about. I, I was a little sad that he doesn't love performing unguarded moment anymore but i was glad that i asked the question how do you perform songs every night you know night after night after night decades after decades after decades because i've always been kind of curious about that and i liked his answer about sometimes you do it for the pleasure of the fans yeah you know sometimes when you know any any performer i'm sure goes through this where you kind of feel like you're in a rut and you have to feed off the energy of the people like, i can imagine playing that song somewhere where you're not getting that from the fans you're like what am i doing like why am i doing this and then other times you're performing and the, the place goes nuts and you're like that's that's why i do it when i was preparing my questions for steve i went back and forth on the idea do i tell him that the unguarded moment is the song that i sing to myself constantly when i'm driving around in my car daydreaming about being a rock star because in my mind i love the vocals i love the bass lines i i want i want to basically be steve kilby and do i kind of t how do i tell him this and what will his reaction be and he was he was as gracious as could be expected in the situation <laughs> but uh, i had bounced that question off of several people including the wife saying yes yeah, do i do i tell him this and everyone's like yeah sure of course tell him this and i'm just like oh i don't know that the journalist to me says don't do it but but the, the rock fan of me, which is kind of how I think of myself first, says you, you got to tell. So. Oh, absolutely. You wouldn't be doing this if that wasn't you at your heart. <laughs> right. But I'm telling you, for the three weeks I had to prep for this, every day I went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Even in my notes, it's it's written in like a different color, like a lighter, <laughs> <laughs> like a light gray. And it's just like, it's just going to depend on 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 how friendly he seems when he answers the phone. So we'll see.
anyway, if you're interested in seeing the church, uh, you can find all their upcoming tour dates on their official website. It's at thechurchband.net. You know what you will not find at the official website? The The Seggies. What's happening, hot stuff? Uh, By the sound of the gong, it must be time for Mystery Movie Moment. We will play a snippet of a movie from the 80s. If you get it right, you're entered into the drawing for the postal-friendly bottle opener, which you will not be getting anytime soon because Brad is currently in Sweden, I think. I saw the pictures. What a a great time, right? Yeah. He, he has uh, monumental vacations. This vacation, I don't, I don't know if the whole trip is a vacation, but he's gonna gone for a month, and he's in Sweden, Iceland, and Amsterdam. But I think Amsterdam might be for work. Oh, it's a good excuse. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, we're seeing lots of photos of he and uh, his long suffering wife, you know, <laughs> enjoying beers. <laughs> and and, uh, and I, uh, fans, fans of the podcast from all over oh, the planet. Yeah. Yeah, 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 he's bumped into a couple already, so that's pretty cool. Um, so we will have, um, I don't know, I don't think he brought a microphone with him, so I don't know that we're getting any updates while he's gone. But if you if you, if you follow us on social, if you follow the podcast on social, I'll, when he sends me photos, I'll post them there. So we're on Instagram now, by the way. I think, I, I think our handle is stuck in the 80s podcast. And we're also on LinkedIn now. So just for those people who are trying to, to network with me for whatever reason. <laughs> network with the 80s we'll talk more about linkedin here in a minute when we get to one of our other favorite seggies uh but in the meantime uh, from episode 673 here was the mystery clip yeah well maybe my balls don't itch all balls itch it's a fact yep that's just one of the guys chuck you've seen this right oh yeah oh yeah yeah there's of course the one moment in the movie that gets paused (laughs) all the time just Don't like, worry, everyone. He's got tits. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, and I think I think the when what year did that come out? Eighty six. Yeah, I was I was in high school then, so yeah, yeah, it it that would have been around the right time to to be pausing that a lot. <laughs> I paused Caddyshack a lot. <laughs> so uh, I know I know Cindy Morgan up and down. The um, we actually used this as one of our. We had a virtual drive-in theater for our patrons a couple weeks ago. We, we screened this movie, which is not easy to do because it's not on streaming anymore. You have to have a DVD copy of it. So it's fun. It's a, uh, it's a little cringe worthy at times. There's a, uh, it's funny to see Billy Zapka being a villain yet again, but uh, that's just the way it goes. Anyway, we had some winners. Brad, you got time to, I called you Brad. Holy crap. Hey, the stand in. <laughs> Chuck, you got time we're, to read we're equally as tall in stature, but definitely not in in other ways. So, are you uh, winners, are you the same? Are you the same height? We are. You're, you're both taller than just me. About, I think we're just about. I don't. I don't know if he edges me out by about a quarter inch or vice versa. But we were, we were at at your wedding in New York at the the pre the pre thing, whatever that pre thing was. Uh, we were <laughs> standing back to back, and I think there's a picture of us standing back to back. And it's 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 a, a toss up. Well, either way, you both are extremely tall in stature and in prestige. So uh, go ahead and read some names. All right. So winners include Yolanda from the triple digit hell that is Las Vegas, Strubes, Ed from West Seattle. This is a long list. Mark the mailman, <laughs> Carlos in St. Louis, Nate Chops Johnson, Lee from hashtag San Francisco Bay Area eighties cruisers. Hey Lee, how you doing? Kevin Hall. Who would use a bottle for his non-dry August? Dave Dirt, Chris Cooling, Scott in Music City, Mr. Whiskey, John Ross from Charlotte, North Carolina, Peter in Munich on vacation from Montreal, Mary Beth in Madison, Ohio, Library John in Michigan, Dr. Jean-Marc Beauvais, Chip from Miami, Allison from Shelby Township in Michigan, Kevin Serving Wench, Alan Titus, Bill with one L, Bill with one L, Dean in Hollister, new listener Kelly in Texas, Eric in Ponte Vedra Beach, Todd in Minnesota, Robin in St. John's, and Michelle D. from Lexington, South Carolina. So I'm thinking a lot of people saw that movie. Yeah, it didn't. <laughs> All balls itch. It's a fact. Uh, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery movie clip. Come on 
is waiting. If you know it, email us at podcast at sitds.com and tune in soon and find out if you're a winner. Ah, uh, the mystical refrain that is named that 80s tune. We will play a piece of a song from the 80s. If you get it right, again, you're entering into the drawing for the Postal-Friendly Bottle Opener. Um, I know Brad sent out a bunch, so if you're waiting for one, you should have gotten it by the time you hear this podcast. So I don't have one, I don't think. Hmm. I don't have a sticker either. I think I got one on one of the cruises. Didn't you guys bring some of the Yeah, usually friendlies? we have stickers. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes we bring like coop beer koozies we've done that before i always bring headbands one year <laughs> ID headbands, badges. Yeah. yeah yeah no it's fun uh we always we, we, we spend a lot we spend more time than we should thinking of what kind of swag to to buy for the cruise uh okay so let's see from episode 673 yeah of course it's episode 673 the same as last time uh here was the mystery song That's Lawyers in Love by Jackson Brown. Eating from TV trays, tuned into happy days, waiting for World War III while Jesus slays to the mating calls of Lawyers in Love. So just about the same number of winners as the last one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, do we want to? Okay, do we want to go back and and, and spin the wheel, or we'll spin the wheel afterwards? Spin the wheel after that we do these. Gotcha. All right. So winners this week include Ed from West Seattle, Cliff from somewhere north of Detroit, Terry in Perth, Stony Stitt, Todd C, Marlon from Fort Worth, Carlos in St. Louis, Rush Cress, Tanya in Cold Lake, Dave P. Strubes. Lee from hashtag San Francisco Bay Area 80s Cruisers. Of course, he's in there again. Dave Dirt, Jason in Memphis, Dan in Omaha, Kia Nove from Mid-Missouri, Jeff Y, Auburn in Tennessee, Library John in Michigan, Rob Knott from Long Island, Martino in Vancouver, Brad in San Francisco, Kevin Pipe Wench, Bill with one L, Eric in Ponte Vedra, Damn, I f***ed up again. (laughs) (laughs) Ponte Vidra. Damn. And Michelle D. from Lexington, South Carolina. I want to know from Rob Knott, do you live on Long Island or in Long Island? I'm still waiting to get a consensus on that. That's a good question. Yeah. I've got lots of questions about some of these names. (laughs) (laughs) Ponte Vidra Beach, though, where you're talking about, that's, that's right out south of Jacksonville. They would have... They would have escaped most of the damage from the hurricane that just went through Florida. We escaped most of it here. We just got a lot of rain. Um, if you live in the Tampa Bay area, you probably had a fair amount of flooding. If you lived in the Panhandle or what they call the Big Bend area of Florida, you probably are not listening to this podcast at this point because you're probably busy rebuilding your house. And uh, so, our so what is that are area called? Because I always thought that that was like the armpit. Well, yeah, the polite name is calling it the Big Ben. Okay. The Big Bend. (laughs) The Fremunda area. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's (laughs) some lovely beaches. It's a hike from here, though. I mean, there's no easy way to get there from here. So I've spent a surprisingly sparse time in that part of Florida. Uh, Okay, Chuck, uh, flex your muscles and spin the wheel. Right. Three, two, one. It's gonna land on uh, gonna land on Kevin Hall, who says he could use a bottle opener for his non-dry August. For people who are aren't following the storyline, there, uh, I took August off from from booze. So, oh no but, way! What is today though? Today's September first. <laughs> That's right. So is it bourbon with ice uh, croutons? I don't. Nope. Like... <laughs> I've never heard that before. <laughs> I don't know. I have, I have I have several options awaiting me for later today, uh, but th- but that is one of them. 100 proof bourbon. 
so or possibly we'll meat, one or the other. <laughs> so when you do Kevin, scotch, right? Do you mix the water in there like you're supposed to? I don't do scotch. I only do bourbon. Oh, okay. So, sometimes rye, but but mo- mostly bourbon. Um, uh, Commander Bourbon knows that. Commander Bourbon and I shared a bourbon on the cruise. Uh, Kevin, send us your snail mail address. We'll we'll uh, send it on to Brad, who will process it accordingly. Uh, so in the meantime, isn't Kevin Hall the name of the predator? Wasn't that the actor that uh, was inside the costume? Question. I only saw that once. I didn't see the remake. I he didn't was, see Alien Harry and the Hendersons. He's Harry. He's big dude. <laughs> well, see, geez, that yeah. wouldn't surprise me. Harry and the Hendersons. Boy, that's a movie that never. Maybe we'll use that for this week's movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't have said that now, though. No. <laughs> we can uh, say if this airs after. Right? No, it's not gonna matter. <laughs> no, it's gonna be the same. It'll be yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll find out. Anyway, pay attention. Here's <laughs> this week's mystery tune. Yes, that's the theme song to Harry and the Hendersons. No, I don't. I don't know what this is. I haven't picked it yet. Uh, but if you, <laughs> I don't pick these things ahead of time. I we see can do here, the I'm reverse sitting... thing. We haven't done that in a long time. Throw, throw, oh, you a, a reverse song. I think we're, we'll, we'll, you and I will be doing one of those in the next, com- I think maybe the next episode. Cool. Yeah, that so ready to go. I'll, I'll start thinking about it. Yeah. 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 I finally figured I had to figure out how to do it my own this last time. So, uh, anyway, if you know it, email us at podcast at sits.com and tune in soon to find out if you're a winner. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Those nibbits some hamburger places serve are actually processed chicken. Excuse me, but what was that in there? It's chicken. Chicken. Processed. But processed? That's like when they take a lot of chickens and assemble the respective parts. What parts? What parts? Different parts. Parts is parts. Wendy's chicken sandwich is pure boneless breast of chicken. Moist and perfect and not processed. As I hear tell, all the parts are crammed into one big part. Used. Yeah. Then the one big part is cut up into little pieces parts. And parts is parts. You want something better. You're Wendy's kind of people. Hey, we got a few minutes left. I thought, let's play our brand new favorite old time Seggy. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. Yeah, it's time for take this job and shove it. <laughs> this is a, I'll, I'll tell you more about my own personal uh, update here in a minute. But uh, we asked people to send stories about their worst job stories, either um, getting fired or hired or just having a really crappy job. And uh, you people never disappoint. <laughs> I can say that. Uh, here's one from Shan Nichols. This will be interesting. Hi, gents. Small anecdote for your take this job and shove it segment. I was working for a large telecom three-letter company and got a call from a recruiter about a position with a different large tech company with a different three-letter name. Really helping us narrow it down there. Anyway, <laughs> I, I, I listened to the recruiter spiel and went through the process, uh, if only to keep my interviewing skills sharp. Sure, I know that feeling. I do it far too often. Oh, yeah. Anyway, Shane, Shane continues. Uh, Shane continues. They they flew me out to one of their locations in a very nice hotel. I went through the interviews. Everything seemed great. About a week later, the recruiter calls me and says they want to hire me, and he went through their offer. I was a bit shocked, however, when it was for $40,000 less than what I was currently making. I told him there's no way I would take that much less money. But it's a big three-letter named company, he said. So what? That offer's insulting, I said. Well, that's what I told him you would take, he responds. (laughs) Well, I'm not sure why you would tell them that. Please tell them I'm sorry. I cannot accept that position. What a fuster cluck. I hear you, buddy. Uh, Regards, Shane Nichols. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. (sighs) Lowballing. I don't even have (laughs) words for that. That's terrible. Yeah. But you know Jeez. what we we were talking about, you know, and I knew I had to think about this uh, to take this job and shove it. I I don't think I would have to go back really far to find a job, you know, like high school, you know, working at a pizza place or something like that. But I think pretty much most of the jobs I've had, I've been I've been happy with. Maybe not happy with the entire treatment you always get, but the job itself, you know, is is something that. Uh, I enjoyed. I had a job working for a pharmacy warehouse retailer. I think I think they're called Farmore. It's like a oh my gosh, Farmore. Yeah, 
I think it was like a giant, like a giant. It was like it's like the uh, like a like a Walgreens that's the size of a grocery store. Are there still farmers around? I doubt it. And um, but what my job was was a stock boy, and literally, I got about ten seconds of instruction. I remember, and they said um, this was like 1985. I was I was a senior. It was my last semester of school. And they basically said, go back into the, you know, back room, grab a box of whatever you see sitting there, go find out where it is on the shelf and just restock it. That, that was, that was the extent of my instructions the entire time I worked there. When you finish that, go find another box, go find out where it is on the shelf and restock it. Just do that for your entire shift. Huge responsibility. Yeah. But one of the cool things about Farmore, it was, it was like, it was like a, it was almost kind of like a, a Home Depot kind of thing where they, they would have boxes or like a Costco or a Sam's Club. They would have boxes of stuff on top of the the aisles. You know what I mean? Like above oh, all yeah. the displays, there would be these gigantic boxes of, of uh, product. And so I would go up there from time to time and like make a hole in all the boxes and, and take a short nap. <laughs> like... <laughs> You know, if I was tired. Like George Costanza. Yeah, that's, yeah. I basically, I did that a couple of times and then didn't get caught. And I remember thinking, this is just ridiculous. <laughs> I think I just, I think I took, I think I tore the top of a box off and put down, this is my last day. Consider this my resignation. And I signed my name on it. And I handed it to the manager on the way out. <laughs> So I feel bad about that. I don't think I ever went there and shopped there after that. I just, I was too embarrassed because I, I just felt like I just, I had done them wrong. I just kind of felt like I should just, let's just, let's just have an agreement where I don't, I don't patron you and you don't criticize me for those naps. I think I did have one. There was one job um, in college. I worked at a Wendy's for about uh, two shifts, I think. Uh, And that was no good. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens with me. I'm I'm supposed to hear. There's a couple. I have a couple jobs that I could hear about any day now. So uh, maybe by the next time we do a podcast, maybe I will no longer be unemployed. But we'll see. I don't sure, we're all, we're all keeping our fingers crossed for you, Spearsy. Yeah, we're all counting on you. The <laughs> don't let us down. Yeah. In the meantime, don't forget to check out uh, the tour dates for the church. They're at thechurchband.net. I hope you enjoyed our chats with uh, Steve Kilby. And uh, if it's it's all right by you, I'd like to finish the show the way we started it by singing a little long to uh, unguarded moment, because Chuck and I remain here, hopelessly stuck in the end. Stuck in the eighties is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to Patreon.com/slash/StuckInTheEighties/Podcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music, and thanks for listening.